The scripture today that we find ourselves getting to is Jesus walking, being the comfort zone in your life and all those sorts of things. But I didn't pick this verse in the scripture because we're in this season. I just knew back last summer that I was supposed to preach through the Gospel of John. And so I asked other pastors for commentaries and started preaching, and this is where we land today. So it feels more like God just wants us to think through steps of faith. What do they look like? How are they done well? What's Jesus' role? What's our role? So I'm not preaching this as if God's put this scripture on my heart, and so I know we need to take a step of faith, and this is the property. I'm not using it to my advantage. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's an easy way to use scripture for your own purposes. This would be one of those weeks that would be like an easy trap to fall into. It's like you flip open the Bible and it lands on a verse and it's what you wanted to hear. And so therefore, you run forward. God must want this for me. We serve a much more complex God than that. And if we think that we can say, oh, I stumbled across this verse today or was the verse of the day in my app or whatever. Therefore, God wants. That is going to end up with some foolish decisions and not in the will of God unless it's accompanied with all these other ways of seeking the spirit with other Christians with, like Wesley, reason, tradition, scripture, experience, the balance. But all that being said, we do find ourselves at this passage talking about stepping out of the boat and walking on water. I want you to notice several things. We're going to read it in John, and then we're going to back up to Mark, and then we're going to back up to Matthew. It's very short, but it's listed in those three Gospels, and different details are added in each one. Matthew is the one that includes the fact that Peter felt compelled to reciprocate. You know, Mark and John just talk about Jesus coming to them. Matthew says, and Peter felt like he wanted to do what Jesus did. So notice the people in there. Think about who you might be in that. Even Are you the boat? Are you the storm? Are you Peter? Are you the disciples? Try to personalize it as we read through it. Recognize where Jesus is. This is crucial. Is he on the shore? Is he on the mountain? Is he on the water? Is he in the, where is he in relationship to his people? Because we want to be where Jesus is in our life, and that's it. And above all, keep in mind that this is just the gospel in a nutshell. We are weak, and he is strong. Without Jesus, we have nothing. Jesus is there for us in our moments of need, and we cry out to him. He saves us. There is no salvation aside from Jesus. It's Jesus or bust. That's it. And so this miracle is a beautiful way to show who Christ is to us, but also to remind us it's never going to be us that's able to still the waves, calm the storm, overcome our fear until Christ appears. That's the gospel news. We are weak. He is strong. He meets us. He saves us. So I give you those thoughts to keep in mind as we read through these three passages. And um, maybe I'll just say a quick prayer here before we begin. I hope that we can identify with them even beyond the building, it would be such a shame if we take all these wonderful lessons we're learning right now and put them totally in a building compartment and then we move on past them and they don't come with us because we're going to be afraid about lots of things in our lives. And we're going to feel like we're sinking in lots of areas in our lives. And if we just learned a little lesson of faith that had to do with a building and then we find ourselves falling over here because we didn't realize that faith is just across the board faith to be used in every situation we're afraid of, we'll lose the opportunity to really mature and grow through what we're learning now with this building. So those are the thoughts. Tuck them away in the back of your mind. We'll read and we'll let the Holy Spirit illuminate as we go. Father God, this is your living word. You mean for us to think on it, to receive it, to let it be planted within us and bear fruit. Father, we confess to you our sins, our weaknesses, our fears, our dreams, our ambitions, and we just put them all at your feet. And we say, your will be done. 
please direct our heart like you direct the forces of nature. The wind and the wave, they bow to you. Please make our spirits and our, our souls bow before you, Jesus. You are the Messiah. We love you and you alone. So please uh, step into our lives when we're afraid and call us to you amidst the storm. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. John 6, verse 16. When the evening came, this is right after the feeding of the 5,000, if you remember from last week, so we just did a big old miracle, fed a lot of people with little food. When the evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, and they got into a boat, and they started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet, he had not yet, he was gonna, but he had not yet come to them. They're quote-unquote, on their own well, the sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. And when they had rowed three or four miles, that's not like a lot of rowing against the wind. They're rowing three or four miles. And based on the size of the sea, they're probably almost all the way across. Rowing and rowing and rowing. It's probably like two or three in the morning, rowing and rowing. Then they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. The Greek there is ego a me, I am, it is me. Recognize some other I am statements in scripture, notably how God defined himself, that being his name, is what Jesus says, I am, I am here, it is I. Don't be afraid. And then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. And then the crowd comes and follows him there. See where Jesus was in relationship to them. He sent them on ahead and they thought they were alone. But they weren't alone. He was just waiting for the right time. They felt alone and they felt afraid, but he was there. I am, he says. I am here. You don't have to be afraid. You do need to be afraid of storms. Those are scary and dangerous. And you could be swamped. You could be exhausted. You could be lonely. But with Christ, you don't have to stay that way. And this is where in our lives the flesh kind of like rises up and we get afraid. It's what you do with it right then. You say, well, Jesus is with me. Ah, get that off me. You put it down. Someone without Christ does not have any way to get that off them. Have compassion on people that don't have faith because they just have to carry that crap or bury it somehow or dull it somehow or avoid it somehow. Like, we don't have to. Jesus is like, I've got this. And he meets them there, and immediately they get where they were going. Let's go back to the Gospel of Mark. He fills in a few more details that are going to be very helpful. Mark chapter 6. So John 6, and then Mark 6. And eventually we're going to back up to Matthew 14. That's our final stop. So in Mark 6, um, we have him telling about the death of John the Baptist. Then we have him uh, telling the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And then Jesus walking on water. Now, this is interesting to me. It might be a small point, but recognize it. In all of these Gospels, the walking on water happens immediately after the feeding of the 5,000. Now, sometimes the Gospel writers put things at different times because they're trying to tell like the whole story of Jesus' life. And so they're saying, well, he did this and this and this. And other times it's meant like the next day. In every case that we have the story, the walking on water happens immediately after the feeding of 5,000. But the big question is, why would they doubt anything if they had just seen him feed 5,000 people? How can there be, I'm afraid, I don't know what's going to happen after literally like a minute ago, you saw him feed 5,000 people. 
this is like the crux of the story to me. It's that God's grace, we need it every day for every situation. Grace is not a once and done sort of thing. I believed in God and so I'm set. We need faith for yesterday. We need faith for today. A fresh faith for that day. And we're going to need faith for tomorrow because the lessons we learned over here, we're going to find ourselves in a different situation. And we're going to have to learn them all over again because we're slow. We're not that smart sometimes. And Jesus is patient. How could they have been afraid? What, what did they think he couldn't do after they saw what he did? But this is us. And I think this is the gospel. We're just going to be afraid tomorrow too. So get ready. You're going to be afraid tomorrow. I'm going to be afraid tomorrow. And then Tuesday. There's going to be some fear on Tuesday. Probably Wednesday too. Thursday also. Friday. Like, because until we're fully sanctified, until we have that full faith for anything and everything we're learning as we go, we don't realize the same Jesus of this miracle is the Jesus of the next miracle. So I love that it comes right after that. But let that be something that we can take from. Like, we have great faith in this situation and then we're terrified over here. Well, which is it? Has Jesus got us or does he not have us? I think he's got us. And I think he meets us. And he did that for the disciples. So immediately after the feeding of the 5,000, watch this. Verse 45, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. That's another detail. Before it just says the disciples got in the boat and went, as if like they were impulsively kind of moving on ahead of him. But he was actually sending them before him. I want you to go ahead of me, step out on your own here, and then when it gets tough, I'll meet you there at the moment of crisis. It's just an interesting relationship between him. He's sending them into what he knows will be a storm. And then he's going to meet them there in that storm. It was not their mistaken direction. They didn't like haphazardly be like, let's row. And he's like, oh, guys, you screwed up again. I didn't want you to go that way. And he's like, go this way, knowing there would be a storm ahead. But he also has compassion on the crowd because he sent his disciples away. And we pick up again. It says, sent them to go to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. It's like picture Jesus just like, go in peace, go in peace. To 5,000 people after he's exhausted. Like he cared about them. That's Jesus. He cared about his disciples. He cared about the lost. He cared about physical needs. He cared about physical safety, but also wanted them to know that he's God. He cares about their souls. So after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. Jesus prayed every day. We need to pray every day. The gospel is about an everyday coming to Jesus, every day being on our knees, praying, okay, another day, Father, faith for this day, strength for this day, rest from the last day. Now, he was up on a mountain, so picture him, he, he's got elevation, right? He climbs up to pray. He's high. The sea is low. Now, when the evening came and the boat was on the sea, he saw, and he was alone on land, he saw that they were making headway painfully, right? This is like pain in their shoulders and their backs and their legs against the storm while they row. The wind was against them. And then about the fourth watch of the night, you know, two, three in the morning, somewhere like that, he comes to them walking on the sea. So he's, he's watching over them. They feel like they're alone, but they're still under his watchful eye. That's us. It feels like we're alone sometimes, but we're not apart from him. He's with us and he's watching us. He's ready to intervene in every moment. So they thought they were alone, but they weren't. They were under his care, even from that distance. 
Now it says, he came to them walking on the sea, and he meant to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and they cried out, for they all saw him, and they were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, you know, have courage. It is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not, for they did not understand about the loaves, because their hearts were hardened. So they'd seen Jesus do something. Like, I don't really know what that means, and how did that happen? And, what? and then they saw it again. And we're going to see in Matthew's account, they actually worship him right there. They're moved to a place of worship. It's beyond just miracles now, even for the disciples, that they're beginning to worship him. So when they crossed over, they're at the other side, then the people recognize him and they bring the sick to him. Let's move to Matthew now and read the last account. Matthew chapter 14. And this is the one where it includes what Peter's response was. This is called a parallel reading of a gospel account. You lay the gospel side by side by side and just read them all. I encourage you to, when you get to a gospel reading, maybe it's your verse of the day or something, or maybe it's you're reading through the book of Mark itself. When you get to a place, it's a miracle, it's a whatever, look it up in the other gospels and put them side by side and just say, what more can we learn? Different eyewitnesses, some people who heard from others and then were retelling it secondhand, others who were there in that boat that moment, um, and they gather uh, we gather all the necessary information that we need. So this is Matthew 14, verse 22. It includes Peter's response. And this is kind of, I think, helpful to shape our thoughts about how we might respond. So immediately after the 5,000 were fed, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. Now after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, I am here. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, you of little faith, not no faith, but small faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So if we're going to do justice to these readings of a miracle, the first thing we need to say is they're not an allegory, they're not a metaphor, they're not like, oh, these gospel writers are telling us a story so that we may all just symbolize what are the storms in our life. This happened. This is a history book at this moment. This is not poetry you're reading. This is gospel account, eyewitness account. So the first thing we should learn is that it is possible for us to walk on actual water. Like the Cape Cod Canal. You can walk on that water if Jesus tells you to. The Nip. You can, you can walk out on it in the middle of a storm if Jesus tells you to. The Atlantic Ocean. You can walk on it. It can't happen because it's impossible. But it's a miracle and it happened. And we go so quickly and say, what's the application? What does this mean to me? Sometimes we don't call it a miracle. It turns into a fable or a story with a hidden meaning. No. This means God is so big that if he wants you to walk on the Atlantic Ocean, even if you're like climbing up waves and then you like slide down the other side, it happens. It happens because he said it happens. It happens because he invented waves. 
And the fact that Jesus can do it shows that Jesus is God. So it's just a miracle story. We can't go past into thinking about what we might do with it until we just leave it for what it's meant to be. This is good hermeneutics. This is how you read the Bible. You say sometimes it's poetry, sometimes it's a song like the song, but here this is not that. This is not a parable. This is an event in Jesus' life. But then you say, well, if that happened for them, what might it mean for me? That's the perfect way to apply it. What storm is in my life? What waves are in my life? Because if Jesus and they could, Peter could literally walk on the water, then I certainly can stand up and not sink beneath the waves that are threatening to swamp me. So you can go to the application, but let it, don't, don't miss the fact. We're too jaded in our society. I don't like it. I don't like how we just dismiss everything miraculous. I don't, I don't think that that's true. I don't think that's fair to ourselves. And I think we sell ourselves short from asking God for actual miracles when we just want kind of like things to work out. No, we believe in miracles. Things that cannot happen that then happen because God felt it was the right time to give him glory. And it says then they, they worshipped, right? They bowed down and worshipped him saying, truly you are the son of God. That's supposed to be the result of the miracles. Not I'm so glad that worked out. No, I feel a lot better. Not I got what I wanted. Jesus is the son of God. That will be the effective and appropriate response to seeing a miraculous event. Glory to God, right? Glory to God. That's, I think, the end of how Mark says it. You know, he gave him glory. So the human response was fear. Fine. So we get afraid. But what do we do with it? We call out to Jesus. Recognize that when we talk about Peter, this is a great book. I'll, I'll recommend it to you. It's a quick read. It's an easy read. It came out like the early 2000s. It's by John Ortberg. It says, um, if you want to walk on water, first you got to get out of the boat. We want all the miracles to happen, but we don't want to actually like, step out of the boat because the boat is safe. And so, like, can it? and he talks about how failure, living with our failures, is the true test of our faith. He said it wasn't that Peter began to sink that was a failure. The real failure in that story were all the other disciples that never had the experience of walking on water because they were too afraid to step out of the boat. So what's failure in that moment? Not being willing to go where God calls you in a miraculous way. Not being willing to take a step of faith. Right? What's failure? Like, oh, poor Peter, little faith. He got out of the boat, though. He was the one. So actually, he had great faith in comparison to everyone around him. And it was not failure to death. It was failure where Jesus then saved him and said, okay, well, let's talk. We, we can build on that. And he does. He builds on Peter for his entire church. So anyway, that book by Ortberg, uh, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat or step out of the boat. That's a good one. Um, but recognize that what I see here is Jesus walked on water first. Peter saw Jesus and said, well, if, if you can go there, I can go there. And if it is really you, call me to you. I love that. Then it takes it away from being sort of like an impulsive Peter where we always sort of categorize him. Ah, Peter just jumped out of the boat, whatever. He's like, no, he was afraid. But if Jesus could do, well, then why not me? And if he's there... So then he asked Jesus, this is like the prayer that we're all in. Jesus, if you're in this property, please call us to it. <laughs> we don't want to jump out and drown. We want to be called to something. So we, we see you. But if you don't say come, we will not come. But if you do say come, we can do this. And so for me, the fact that Jesus was on water first and that Peter's response was, well, then what is impossible? If Jesus can do this, then maybe just anything's possible. I love that relationship. I love Jesus there with all their fears. I love how he tells them, stop being afraid. I love the humanity of this story. I love the miraculous of this account. 
Uh, I love Peter's response. I love that worship was the end result of it. I love that even when they were alone and afraid and working hard and exhausted, Jesus had his eyes on them the entire time. He was not going to let them sink, and he was not going to let Peter sink. He wanted them to endeavor. He wanted them to go on this journey so that he could show up for them. And they should have just believed it all along. Like, oh, we're in a storm. I guess God's got us. But that's not human. And we are still human, even though we have this Holy Spirit given as a guarantee. So their fears and our fears, no matter how many miracles God has done, our minds do this weird, dulling thing. Whatever has happened in the past, oh, that was a good miracle, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe it just kind of worked out. Was it really as miraculous as it seemed at the time? And then we get ourselves in another situation where we need faith, and we have to call out again. That's the gospel. It's a daily grace. Jesus will meet us every day. We need to be praying to him every day. Jesus, call us to you every day. And when we sink, we just say so. Hey, I feel like I'm sinking. He says, that's okay. I've got you. Fixing our eyes on him. And so that's where I want us to put that in our heart. (laughs) This is not about a property, you know. This is something that God wants to teach us. And I think he's giving us a wonderful time to learn about fear and about faith and to to find out, is that you, Jesus, on the water? And to see what he'll do. Um, All things are possible through God, no matter how unlikely. We just want to make sure that it's Christ doing the calling. That's all. That's all. So, our service has gone a little bit long. I want to close this in prayer. Maybe we just close with a hymn. Keep it simple. All right, then I'm going to close in prayer and we will sing one final song. Jesus, I thank you for everything that you did as an example of being the Son of God as well as being human. And I love that you call us to you. Please call me by name. Call each of us by name that we might know that you truly know us, that we are not alone and that your grace is sufficient for the fears of the next day and the next day. Uh, Increase our faith. It would be like that father who asked for healing for his son. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Please take small faith in us, myself included, uh, and help it become greater and greater as we trust you. And may we see you and where you're working and, and follow you into it. I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.